Welcome to People Helping People, the podcast to inspire greater social change and give you ideas on how to take action. I'm your host, Adam Morris. Today, we are sitting down with Tony Rothacker, co-founder at Youngster.co, a platform providing job opportunities to youth and empowering elders to use technology better, bridging the gap between generations. I'm excited to explore conversations around providing employment to youth and how we can leverage inherent talents from any age. So, Tony, welcome on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Adam. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Can we start off, can you tell us a little bit about the journey that led to youngsters.co? Uh, it started, believe it or not, with a innovation challenge, open innovation challenge, addressing youth suicide. And it's hard to believe, but here in a regional Australia, where we are based, there is quite a high youth unemployment and unfortunately, also high youth suicide rate. And so running an innovation hub, we were asked to run a something called an open innovation challenge, where a local health district is welcoming ideas from the outside and looked at what can we do as a community to address this big problem. And so there were some amazing entrepreneurs and creatives came forward and they pitched their ideas. They got a bit of seed funding. And ultimately, they got also a contract to implement their solution for the next 12 months. But that resulted that I saw the data coming through and I couldn't believe that how big the problem is. Mm-hmm. And that made me determine that we should do something about it. And that was ultimately a pivotal moment to set up youngster.co. Great. And now you have a background in building businesses and the entrepreneurial scene. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in that space? Yeah, look, I'm a civil engineer from background. I'm always uh, keen to solve problems. And many people are asking me, oh, if I only had somebody who could help me with this and that. And I found it was just so easy sometimes helping some people with internet issues. And 90% of the time is to turn off the bloody thing and turn it back on. And some people don't know how to do it. And so we thought we have this unutilized resource, our tech-savvy youngsters. So why not get them busy and do something meaningful? And while they're helping others, they're actually helping themselves. And so it's a beautiful uh, thing to see when the elders are so thankful and appreciative and they're happy to pay money as well to, to get helped. But likewise, many seniors are in isolation. They don't know how to use technology. And COVID-19 was very, very prevalent that we saw how impactful it is to be disconnected from mm-hmm. the daily life or communities. So this way, they actually become part of the community, they get out of isolation, and they help us to teach the youngsters how to live meaningful life. Got it. So what does that actually look like when the youth get together with the elders? So there's quite a lot of risks involved. And for us, it's important to be the trusted guide in in providing this type of intergenerational service. And we looked at what can we do to make it as safe as possible, the best experience possible for both the young and the old. And we found trusted spaces like libraries and neighborhood centers are a great melting point for the two generations. So we work collaboratively with HK facilities, with libraries, where we bring the generations together. And when they complete certain number of sessions and we see they have the right ethics and we do all the right checks, betting and police checks on the youngsters, we allow them also to do home visits when the pairing is fine. But it's important that we address all the different risks that are there. Got it. And how long has it been up and running? 
So now we're going towards two years and we started just before COVID-19 hit. And you can imagine there was quite a drastic change going. We took a whole bunch of youngsters to HK facilities and suddenly we couldn't do that anymore. And so we transitioned everything online when COVID-19, you know, the lockdown started. And that has proven actually quite a successful model. We got quite a lot of media coverage simply because we asked youngsters, can you help us to reach out to seniors in isolation and teach them how to go on Zoom, how to, you know, unmute. <laughs> and, and many, many seniors, they wanted to continue to converse with the outside world. They just didn't know how to. And so we used this disadvantage, you know, when life gives you lemon, squeeze them. We did that. And that has proven to be quite a, quite a great leverage for us to, to get more media coverage and ultimately requests. Neat. Now, how did you go about actually reaching uh, elderly? Because quite often they're not on Instagram or TikTok. Totally. Yeah. Look, our best friend is word of mouth. So our key element is to delight the elders. And we incentivize the youngsters to, they get a base wage. And when they delight the elder in a sense that we have certain set requirements, be kind, be polite, be on time, ask open questions. And if they uh, fulfill those, they get paid a bonus. And with this incentive, we, we get quite a lot of referrals. So word of mouth is that's where we are growing the most. Oh, very cool. And so you, you do it both uh, in a group setting and then also one-on-one. -on -one. That's right. Yeah. And have you had any measures on, on the impact that you've been having so far? Yes, we do. So there's different type of measuring the success and we, we count connections. So when we create a connection between youngsters and elders, we need to onboard an elder. We need to onboard a youngster. Basically, all the things need to come together. And we also collect data. What is the current status of the IT literacy of the elder before and after? And also, what do the youngsters get out of it? What is the status before and after? So we measure the delta with our surveys. And we have partnered with an organization called Australia Social Value Bank to calculate through the theory of change, what is the social return on investment? Very technical term, but ultimately many funding bodies, they want to see what is my return if I give you some money. And that's what we want to make it very plain and clear. What is our social return on investment? That's interesting. I, I know a ton of social entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how to measure their impact. Do you have any idea what mm. goes into that calculation or how they figure that out? Yeah, so there are different models and it needs to, this data needs to be based on scientifically based data, peer reviewed. And we collect our own data, but we also relied at the beginning on some existing data collections. For example, if you improve IT literacy of elders, this is the social return on investment this figure can be applied to. Or if you employ, um, if you improve the employability skills of the youngsters, this is the factor you can apply to and so on. And we utilize that. And to make it a little bit uh, more precise, we collect our own data. And there are some social researchers or a whole academic uh, scene where they actually can calculate and uh, write papers about what is the social return. So, for example, there's a recent study in Australia through a federal, go federal government program called Be Connected. And their social return was around the $4 for every dollar spent on that program. And our program we calculated is roughly around the $35. Wow. for every dollar spent. It's just simply this intergenerational approach. And the major benefit we found, it's not only the elders learning how to use tech, but more about the youngsters and equip them with life skills, empathy, 
employability skills, kindness, and it's basically simple skills like listening skills. It's, it, it seems to be trivial to us, but many youngsters spend far too much time on socials and devices. And so it's so important for them to spend face-to-face and be patient. You know, sometimes they are really impatient. They want to get things done very quickly. Take the device from the elders and oh, I show you how to do it. But that's not the way to do it in our case. We really hone down that they need to let the seniors do the work and they only show them how to do it in a polite and and uh, empathic way. They need to understand the challenges the seniors have. And even with seniors with dementia and quite late stage, we found the transformation and the interaction is incredible. The youngsters understand what it means to have dementia. There's more and more of that coming forward and to have the future workforce prepared. I think we're doing the right thing to make sure that everybody understands what it means to have dementia. Mm. So it sounds like in addition to the direct benefit of what you're doing, that's also raising awareness uh, in the community of some of these issues that people are facing. Totally, yeah. And one of our best ways to recruit youngsters is through their parents. So many parents are really frustrated that my son, he just spends so much time on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or and when we asked them, oh, look, would your um, teenager be interested to earn some money? I said, yeah, I think they would. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really good alternative to, let's say, KFC or McDonald's. Nothing against them. But I think they have great programs too. But it's slightly different and we find quite meaningful and youngsters get maybe a little bit more out of it. And it sounds like that also gives them technology backgrounds for, for other job opportunities as well. They are so technologically savvy. We don't actually have to train them how to use iPhone or tablet or even if they don't have a phone, they actually know how to use it. It's incredible. And they pick it up from their friends and they are envious because they can't afford a phone so we right now are trying to get other companies to maybe provide us with some phones so we can give it to the youngsters who can't afford to have a phone. And it would be great to have Google on board. So I've tried really hard, but they're still not coming to the game or even Apple. So if you know anyone, maybe some of those yeah, Apple podcasters who are out there, reach out to us. Very cool. Now, I'm always very curious, in addition to this podcast, uh, I run a small work program for youth who are experiencing homelessness. Mm. So these are, are youth typically 18 to 24. And it's a small work program where the focus is largely on having conversations around jobs. So we, we teach them how to screen print t-shirts and then we're creating an atmosphere where we can talk to them. So I'm curious if you've learned anything from working with youth of how to work Absolutely. with them effectively. Look, we have many youngsters coming towards because they, they are challenged by the school system. They are disconnected from even their homes and uh, they live quite often with their friends. And they're finding very rewarding and meaningful work where they can actually do something while they're earning a bit of money. It is quite challenging because sometimes they just, they don't turn up because they don't have a way to get there. And you're standing there with many seniors and okay, where are the youngsters? <laughs> but that's part of the deal. I think we are trying to make a difference. And Often we ask the seniors, look, this is also about the youngsters, not necessarily about the elders. And when we convey the message, sometimes the many seniors get frustrated because they didn't get their session. But look, I hope you can come back next week because our youngsters couldn't come here. Their car broke down and blah, blah. So it's all about how we communicate it. And we found many librarians that are really, they know how to deal with these situations. They are really aware because they're helping also seniors coming to the library who don't have an email, who don't understand technology, and quite often they don't really want to. 
but they do want to make a difference to the youngsters. So it's like the two groups and the vulnerable youngsters and the vulnerable elders can help each other, but it needs to be really carefully managed. I think that's one of our biggest risks that we facilitate something that we don't we we might regret later on. So we put really big emphasis on the safety and security for both. Cool. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you're new to this social impact space. This is the first social enterprise that you've been involved in? Social, yeah, but not uh, from a startup point of view. So I had several companies and some more successful than others. But to have a higher purpose or a Simon Singh calls it just cause. Everything else uh, lines up. The funding will come towards you. The, um, the customers will seek you. They volunteer. You have schools. They want to work with you. You have governments who want to work with you. It's just simply providing a service that is um, needed in the community. And the community is asking for it. And it's a beautiful thing to do because I was in sales before. And I know how it is, how hard it is to actually sell something that not everybody really needs. It's nice to have. But if there's something with a social purpose that everybody is really looking forward to to be part of, it's a beautiful feeling and you don't feel like you're really working. In addition to starting some businesses in the past, you're also involved in the, the local startup grind. Yeah, so Startup Grind has been pivotal for us and the values from Startup Grind really resonated with me as well. That's why I started as a chapter director two years ago and, and Derek, the CEO of Startup Grind, he is incredible from defining those values. So help others before you help yourself, make friends, not contacts. And I forgot the third one. <laughs> <laughs> However, there are, there are core values that really very much align what I believe in. And I think that aligns also other people to come along. And it, it's not about making money, but surround yourself with like-minded people. And it's very hard to do it day in, day out by yourself. But if you surround yourself with like-minded people who have also the social purpose in mind, but also they don't want to make it sustainable from a business perspective. So it's not kumbaya and we want to make a world better place. It's also about financial viability. We want to make sure that the business survives financially. So you need to be financially and business savvy to understand what, what is possible. Now, Startup Grind is a global organization uh, with local chapters. Can you just explain a little bit about what people experience at Startup Grind in case any of the listeners haven't heard of it before? Yeah, Startup Grind is an incredible organization and they it's basically a network of entrepreneurs. I think they had around 600 chapters before COVID-19. They might have slightly less now, but still I think they are on a on a growing trajectory. They basically invite speakers to speak at events. It was face-to-face -face mostly, and now it's more online during COVID-19 or hybrid events where you can have listeners online while you have also face-to-face -face session. Mm. And speakers like Guy Kawasaki or Naomi Simpson from you know, Shark Tank Australia, they are really high caliber speakers to provide this inspiration and the insights what really helped them in their career to become what they are. One really uh, shining example is Justin Dry from Vinomofo. He is in Australia very well known around the wine online retail space, but he's also a friend with Gary Vee. You probably heard of Gary Vee. Gary Vinichuk, he's really out there. And there are speakers for every different type of category. And if you go on Startup Grind, you can look up what type of speaker is of interest. You can look up the previous speakers on the YouTube. 
and they have quite a large following. This is a great mm. place for for entrepreneurs or people in even in the freelancing community to come together and meet and and network as well. Absolutely. And there's no you don't have to pay any fees. In some events they charge you a fee to cover the drinks and things like that. But you can just join the community and they have now some programs where you want to get more mentoring. There's like a membership type of based approach, but there's there's different ways to engage with startup grind community and every chapter director is just super keen to help other entrepreneurs. And that's that goes without saying. So you need to be the startup mayor of your region to pull up the chapter because you do want to be the magnet to bring those different speakers and the audience together. Back to youngster.co. What's your vision for, for this and where it's going? Yeah, look, we have set goals. So by 2025, we want to create 1 million connections. Connections mean between connection between youngster and elder. So it's a clear set goal and we're working towards it. Ultimately, we would love to offer this service worldwide. And we have currently a simple MVP platform where we can connect the youngsters. It's like marketplace. And we would like to go global at some stage. But I'm conscious of we really want to nail down how we do it and what the program does and how we manage it. And before we really scale broadly, we want to make sure that we can do it in a smaller area like Australia. And we want to make sure that we have the right partners on board who have the same values as we are, helping the seniors and helping the youngsters to have meaningful jobs so no one is left behind. And, and if there's organizations willing to be part of it, please reach out. That's fantastic. Now, can you describe just a little bit about what it's like where you are in Australia? Because you're up near Brisbane? No, I'm halfway between Brisbane and Sydney. So this oh, okay. is my backyard. As you oh. can see, for the listeners, it, there's koala habitat. So we have actually live koalas in the back here, which make very funny grunting noise in the evening. And you can look up drop bear from Australia if you want to understand the dangers of koalas. And <laughs> <laughs> there was just some really funny anecdotes in the past where people thought they are like a meat-eating koalas up in the trees, but no, they're all plant-eating animals. Okay. And however, they're very cute, little bear-looking type of things and so australia is and probably they sleep one a little of those bit, don't they <laughs> <laughs> but australia is one of i think that's why i moved here I, as you can hear i grew up in germany but i was born in Czechoslovakia. so i grew up in the northern hemisphere and i just love the ocean i love the water mm. and i love kayaking and but i also fell in love with my wife when i was studying in sydney and long story short we have now four kids and i just love being here in Australia, swimming in the ocean every morning and across all 12 months. Now it's currently winter. So we have tonight, it was the first time we had about six degrees Celsius at night, but throughout the day, we still have 20 degrees in winter as well. So it's very beautiful, very great climate to live in. However, we do have our challenges. And as I mentioned, I be trying to make difference and address those problems. And any entrepreneur who is willing to come and visit us is very welcome. There is some um, incentives by the Australian government to actually move to Australia. And remote work you can work anywhere. I think New Zealand and Australia are one of those COVID-19 heavens. And I think we have maybe five cases across Australia now. And, and if there is one or two cases, the whole town goes in lockdown. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, There's no masks or anything like that. We still have 
especially in regional Australia, people just go into cafes without any masks. It's incredibly attractive, I would say, for any entrepreneurs who can work remotely to come and live here. Yeah. And uh, look, podcasting is really taking off. There's just so much podcast. I was just recently interviewed by, by another friend, Naomi Simpson. She's the shark on Shark Tank in Australia. She just launched a podcast as well called Handpicked. Oh, and wow. she does provide advice around entrepreneurship and quite often is also about what is your higher purpose. So it's worthwhile checking it out. And But there's just so much happening. Guy Kawasaki also, he launched a podcast last year, Remarkable People, worthwhile checking out as well. And so great ways to actually consume some really meaningful conversations rather than consume the TV that is bombarded with advertising. I think what you mentioned about the podcast is super important that it's such a great way for people to connect. And um, especially when people aren't traveling outside their country, just to understand how much great stuff is happening in, in places around the world. I think quite often people don't understand what it means to, to live in Australia or China or Europe and because they haven't seen it, they haven't experienced it. So you just have a notion in your head. Totally. Um, we're all so much more similar, I think, than we are, are different. But people are figuring out these cool new solutions in their local communities. And when we can share those ideas, it's really powerful. So I'm interested. What is the most interesting interviewee you meant before me? <laughs> and what was the biggest takeaway? I had a podcast with uh, Rich Harwood, who runs the Harwood Institute here in the US, and he's been running it for 30 years. But he has a, an approach for creating conversations and communities. So getting together different community leaders and being able to empower them to have conversations where they're learning from the community and developing solutions in that community to overcome issues. So for me, that was just an eye-opening way of bringing people together to solve problems. Yeah, It's like what you're doing with your youngster. It's like, you went out and you realized, hey, we're having a problem with you, suicide, speaking to people in the community and about how you can connect people. And that's just when yeah. magic happens. I had also a different conversation around aging. And our guest at Startup Grind, Natalie Jan Chatonsky, she also researched different areas in the world and looked at why they why people live long, long lives and long, meaningful lives. And that led her to explore the blue zones. I'm not sure if you heard of the blue zones. I forgot the gentleman's name who was running the research, but I think National Geographic, they also mapped those five areas in the world with blue marker. That's why they call them blue zones. And long story short, there are some areas like Okinawa in, in Japan where people live 100 years and longer and a higher proportion compared to other areas. So they looked at why it is, and they defined some core elements why are people doing that? So one of them is regular exercise or a certain type of food or have connection to the community and have some kind of purpose as well. And so she broke down those different areas in our conversation. And we're looking at now the Coffs Coast where I live, how we can make this region the Blue Zone 2.0. So how can we improve it? If we can improve the life expectancy to, let's say, 120 and look what we need to do as a community, to make it happen. Uh, I think it's really interesting conversation. That's great. And especially if you're in such a vibrant place that is so full of life. Yeah. yeah. Well, the youth suicide is bringing it down. So we need to address that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what brought about youngster.co. How do people find out about what you're doing? Where do they go? So, of course, we are on socials, uh, even though we, sometimes it's good to help people to go onto social platform, but it's good to actually be not on social as well. And it's a fine line. 
So under youngster.co, our website is the easiest way to find us. And yeah, I would love to, anyone from around the world can register actually already on our site to be a youngster. And we are exploring a virtual type of connection where we can connect seniors from anywhere in the world. And we find that youngsters who speak different languages, they are actually really valuable because they could help also other people who speak different languages, or even if they are refugees and they need to converse in a different language. And as you can hear, I speak different languages as well. So I feel very at home. And my father was one of the refugees. So that's why I feel committed to help those people as well. Okay, cool. Now, did you have a refugee experience of your own when you were growing up? I did. So my father, he left Czechoslovakia illegally, I think in 83, and he emigrated to Germany. And he couldn't go back to Czechoslovakia to, you know, my mom, she got cancer. She got breast cancer. We were quite young. I was nine. My brother was 10. And then one year later, she died. My father couldn't come back to look after us. He would be arrested, basically. And it took us about one year until our paperwork was ready to go to Germany. And we lived in Germany. So I had to learn German when I arrived. I was 11 years old. And it was a different world and to learn different language, to go into different school system, to live in a one bedroom unit with my dad, and my brother was quite an experience. And I can totally feel it's not the same as if you are in refugee camp and, and things like that. But I can understand how people feel if they're in a different country and they don't speak the language. So I think that has caused quite a lot of thoughts in me how we can make things different and how we can help other people as well. And by helping others, we help ourselves. And that's why I feel when the youngsters learn how they, how meaningful or helpful they can be to seniors and the seniors, how impactful they can be on youngsters and teaching them how to ask questions and be patient. It's just so beautiful to see. We had parents crying at the library, seeing their kids. And it's just so nice to see. And just to see them doing something that is helping others is just beautiful. And that... It's just when I'm busy or frustrated with things, I just do one of those sessions, help being a kind of semi-youngster. And my day is beautiful. It's just so nice. I love that. Well, and being able to facilitate those connections where those connections are so powerful and, yeah. and meaningful, right? That gives us, I think, a, just a greater satisfaction when we can connect with uh, another individual. Yeah, look, my mentor recently passed away and I always reflect what is the meaning of life. and you're always thinking of what is this all about? But when I was, I attended one of those speaking sessions with Philip Hesketh and he really shared the essence of meaning of life. And that really resonated with me. I'll share that here. And he said, the meaning of life is build a loving relationships and make a meaningful and positive contribution. And I, if you look at it, it's just simple as that. And there's, we don't have to say anything else. I love that. And that makes a lot of sense. The more you're focused on yourself, the the less satisfying everything is. And when you can focus on the community around you and the difference you're making, that lifts not only the community up, but it lifts you up as well. Yeah. And look, there are some really great resources like Naval Ravikant. I really like reading that. I'm not sure if you heard of him and follow to to read his books and uh, listen to this podcast or Twitter. But how about you? Where is your inspiration coming from? Why you do what you do? 
partly for that same reason. After working in technology for a long time, just wanting a career that's more satisfying. And so I started a podcast to explore what was going on and very quickly discovered social entrepreneurship. And it's led me down a new path just because of that. You feel like you're in there doing something bigger than yourself. And I realized there's a lot of great, cool ideas going on in the world. And the more that we can share them, the more we realize what's possible. And that's, you know, where change comes from. It's great. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing your story of, of what you're doing. Thank you for this interview and opportunity. And look, if you need to have a chat, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.